Hey everyone, this is Ben with Blue Ribbon Coalition. We are back with the Defend Your Ground podcast. Uh, I'm here with Simone. Hey everybody. Hey Simone, um, our policy director. And we've had a few weeks off from the podcast, mostly because we've been guests on several other podcasts. This uh, Moab, Labyrinth Rim, Gemini Bridges plan came out several weeks ago. Uh, everybody in the outdoor recreation community has been fired up about this plan because it does close a lot of routes that lead to a wide range of recreation experiences. And so we've been diving into this plan with a, a pretty broad range of other podcast shows from overlanders to off-roaders and jeepers. Um, so there's a lot of content out there of us talking about this plan, other podcasts, and we figured we'd let you listen to those other shows, but we're back and we're still moving forward with the Defend Your Ground podcast. And today we have put together kind of some special information about this plan. Uh, Simone, why don't you tell everybody, we had a deadline extension. Why don't you let everyone know what's going on there so we get people dialed in? Yeah, so we got a 14-day extension from the BLM. So now comments are being accepted until midnight on October 21st. Because there were mapping errors and issues that we found, the the BLM accepted our request to extend the comment period two weeks. And so it gives, gives you additional time to get your comments in and, and provide that feedback and information. Yeah, and people have been. I mean, I think I was looking today, there's about 7,000 comments on the site right now. We know that thousands and thousands of those are from recreation users. We're confident in that. Um, so our, we're making our voices heard, but we look at this two weeks and say, well, we have two extra weeks. What can we do to move the needle on this, continue to make an impact? And one of the things we have is we did a FOIA request. Uh, it was probably over a year ago and got the route reports and the comments that had been submitted on previous versions of this plan. And in that FOIA request, we did get access to some of the route-specific comments that the wilderness groups had made. Um, and with their, We get people ask us, why do they want to actually shut these routes down? And this, looking at through these route reports, uh, you see it in their own words of why they want to shut these things down. You can look at the pictures they've taken of the routes, and it gives us a guide to say, if we want certain routes open, we can look through this route report and find the error in the reasoning of why they want these routes closed and have that incorporated into our feedback. So we hope you'll listen to this whole show. We'll cover, we're, we're hoping up to about 10 routes in this route report that has several hundred. Um, and if this is something you want to incorporate more into your comment, even if you've already commented, go send in another one. If you have more information that you've learned from researching this issue more since when you submitted your first comment, uh, the BLM has to take your feedback. If you send them another one, it's not going to hurt anything. Um, so you should look through these routes on this route report. We can make it available to anybody who contacts us through the BRC website. Um, it's a bigger file, so we'd want to just give it to those who really are going to use it. Um, so we have some of these route reports. We've looked through them, and I'll let Simone kick off. We're going to go through each of these one by one, and we can decide, and you can kind of hear how we think about these once we see what the other side's saying. So why don't you give it, why don't you start us off, Simone? What are some of the routes we've looked at on this route report? Yeah, okay. So we'll start with route ID. It's 1019. Um, and it says, I mean, this is their own words. It says, closing these routes to motorized vehicles would better protect the rims above Canyonlands National Park. 
Um, so this specific route, it goes to an overlook over Canyonlands. It doesn't actually enter in Canyonlands. It just gives an overlook to it. So, I mean, it's got high recreational value. It's a very sought after route. Um, and so we believe this one should stay open. People should be able to access this and, and be able to see these views. Uh, they also claim that it's, these routes are redundant. Um, so pretty much they think that if one route goes and looks over an area that another route a couple miles away shouldn't exist. Um, but they provide different views and they provide different recreational experiences. So that one's an interesting one. Um, yeah, that it I, says that it's redundant. I don't know who made them the judge of... <laughs> what route's redundant and what route provides a recreation value for people. They're, they're a group that exists to shut down recreation access. We're a group that exists to fight for all recreation users. I think we have a better sense of why people are out there. And I can say, I don't think these routes are redundant. Getting to a different viewpoint, if you're someone who's a photographer or something, that is absolutely not redundant. It might be the thing that makes your picture stand out is that you went to a different viewpoint of a certain area and we've seen that the blm has identified that there are numerous of these routes that go to certain recreation experiences and in the case of the worst plan the plan b uh, that closes a lot of those i think the photographers are losing over half their routes and it's routes like this one so if you're looking through this route report and you see that there's routes that are going to overlooks and scenic overlooks over canyons and places like that. Uh, these probably aren't the routes that are primarily being used by ATVs and side-by-sides. They might be, but you're probably mostly seeing the folks that want to use these routes or the photographers, those who actually want to observe the wildlife. I mean, they often, we'll talk about the bighorn sheep and the Mexican spotted owls in a minute because they show up in every one of these. Uh, but there's a lot of other uses that go on on this land the recreation users and so these are two routes that we'll be fighting to keep open it was uh so again that yeah, was yeah so i had just mentioned 1019 but 1026 oh, yeah, 1019. yeah going with 1026 also goes i mean similar thing it says that it's redundant and it goes and overlooks canyon lands and if you've got these two routes that are both overlooking canyon lands i mean and they both need to be closed according to them they give in their own pictures different views. And so there's your proof that they're not redundant. Um, 1026 is also interesting because it says it's lightly, it's a lightly used two track trail. I don't know what their definition of lightly used is because, um, and we'll show pictures of some of these routes. I mean, these are very well-traveled roads um, that there's, cleared tracks i mean some of the tracks you can see in the picture look pretty fresh even and so their definition of lightly used and and they use that as a reason in a lot of these route reports that it's a lightly used trail and they're not from their own pictures yeah and it's just a it's a total contradiction in their in their agenda is on one hand they have to claim that this area is crawling with ORVs and that ORVs are out there damaging everything and that there's noise everywhere you go and that you can't get away from these things. But then you read their route reports and every single one of these route reports is this is a lightly used two track. So they're admitting in their own 
field work that this area receives really light use. And that's been my experience is that it actually is lightly used, but it is used. And the, the roads and the routes are very clear on the ground. There's definite recent use. There's going to be tire tracks everywhere you look on these routes. I don't really see a lot of use off, off of the routes actually in these areas because there just aren't that many people out there. Um, but that is the, that's one of the paradoxes of their field work is they kind of want to have it both ways because they can succeed in closing down a route if they can claim it's reclaiming and lightly used. Um, but their whole, their whole narrative that they're sharing in general about this area is that it's heavily, heavily used and you just can't have it both ways. Um, they also say too, that, um, they refer to another route and say that, well, that one provides better views. And so that's why this specific route should be closed. And that's, I mean, who are they to decide that what they think is a better view might be, might not be what I think is a better view. So it's like you said, who, who made them the judge? Yeah. And so that's, so there's several of these routes that go and overlook Canyonlands. And one thing I want to add there is Canyonlands. National Park heavily restricts motorized recreation. There are very few actual routes within the National Park. And so even though this area goes up and overlooks an overlook next to the National Park, they don't have to manage this adjacent area like a National Park. That's a, something Sue was always trying to do is create buffer zones around the areas that are already heavily restricted. And our answer to that is, well, there's already heavy restrictions in Canyonlands. The resources are being protected there um, because there's such heavy restrictions there. We need a multiple use area nearby for those, everybody who wants to actually go recreate on our public lands. And we don't need the whole area around Moab to be a national park or a wilderness area. We can have a mix of both, which is what we currently have and is working fine. Um, so let's go on to route 1395. Um, this is a route that I've actually driven by. I was going to actually drive on this route and check it out, but there was some lightning activity in the area. And this is an area you don't want to be out in a lightning storm. Uh, you get out to these overlooks over Mineral Bottom from the north side of Mineral Canyon. And, and so this is one of these, this is an area that goes to an overlook. It overlooks the Grand River and it is a route that is apparent on the ground. It goes to a scenic overlook. Um, I didn't see dispersed campsites at the ends of the overlooks that we did see up here, but there were a lot of cool dispersed campsites on the routes along the way. Um, but, so this is one where I think the primary value is again, scenic overlook photography, uh, because it overlooks the green river. Um, let's actually read the route report. I'm going to scroll down to 1395. Yeah. If you've got it, why don't you read it? Smart? Yeah. So it says Route 1395 is a reclaiming two-track that is not being used. Much of the route has mature vegetation in the route bed. It cuts through desert bighorn, critical habitat, mule deer substantial habitat, and Mexican spotted owl habitat. It is redundant and serves no real purpose or need to reduce unnecessary route density and to minimize damage to vegetation, soil, wildlife habitat, and wilderness values. BLM should close this route to motorized vehicles. As if only motorized vehicles can cause any type of damage. Yeah, and there just wasn't the damage out there, like what they're claiming. 
and it's not redundant. It goes to a completely unique overlook over this area. We've already seen their arguments. The reason they want to close the things around Green River is they don't want the folks 1,500 feet down in a raft to have to hear you or see you or uh, smell you is what they've said. Apparently, these people's sense of smell is so strong. They can smell your engine if you're up on top of the cliff um, or your exhaust. And so this one is one I want to keep open. I actually have plans to go back. I wasn't able to complete this route because of the weather. So to say it's not used and redundant isn't true. I actually went out to use this route and just because of weather conditions wasn't able to. So it's on my bucket list. I want to go back out and go to that overlook. It looks like a cool area. And the pictures prove that it's being used. You can see the tracks in their own pictures that they provide. Um, it's it's clearly being used so that's just false when they say that yeah so i'm going to jump now to 1076 route 1076 there are extensions of they say routes 1076 and 1078 are extensions of the same route the routes are very lightly used to the point where portions of the route has biological soil crust within the route bed the routes are entirely unnecessary and do not serve any purpose or need motorized vehicles can instead use route 1079 to access these areas the routes cut through desert bighorn habitat, Mexican spotted owl. Okay, so let's talk about this oil crust for a minute. Uh, this is another one where they're trying to have it both ways. You'll read sometimes in the science that the that if you damage the soil crust, have you ever heard Simone how long it takes for the soil crust to grow back? Oh, don't they say it's like an astronomically high? Tens of thousands of yeah. years. <laughs> tens of thousands of years for this soil crust to grow back. It never grows back once it's disturbed. Well, this route has been there who knows how long. I mean, it's like sometime within the last 200 years is when this route was created. Probably a lot sooner than that. Let's say the last 50. And what does Sua say? Well, the route has its... It's lightly used to the point where portions of the route has biological soil crust within the route bed. Well, how did that soil Bro, crust get there? within just 50 years. <laughs> where did this soil crust come from that actually grows back within a few years? And so here Sue is contradicting their own claims. They say that bio crust takes tens of thousands of years, but then when it's convenient, all of a sudden it's growing back in the route. And so now we need to close the route because the soil crust grew back. So what is it, Sue? Does soil crust grow back or doesn't it? And my experience is that it kind of does. It grows back pretty quick. And so we shouldn't be wringing our hands over the fact that a route might disturb the soil crust. Most of this area, it's hundreds of thousands of acres. Most of it is soil crust that's never been touched and probably never will be. And so to worry about a few square feet of soil crust in a route that's already been disturbed is nonsensical. Um, this is an area where I did run into a couple that was dispersed camping. Uh, they were dispersed camping in a minivan. Uh, we we pulled up to the guy and said, hey, this is a site, this is a route that's potentially going to be closed. How do you feel about that? And he got really emotional. He was upset that they would even be thinking about closing this route. He's been coming and camping in this area for years, same spot. And so the fact that they would want to close this route because they say it doesn't have a purpose or that it's slightly you like that's just not true it has a purpose to this guy and he wanted he wants to keep coming back to this area and that's kind of who we're fighting for that's why we fight to keep these open that's why we look at do this homework and look at the different routes and see what's really happening there 
instead of taking some boilerplate explanation and putting it on every route to try and accomplish some political agenda that doesn't have any grounding in reality of what's happening. So, okay, let's move on to uh, 1026. Do you have that pulled up, Simone? Um, almost. Okay, okay yeah, I have... I've got that one. Oh, we already hit 1026. Sorry, we already hit that one. That was earlier. That's a Canyonlands route. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, and 1019. I don't know why I put yeah, those in there twice. Yeah, we did both the Canyonlands routes. Okay, well, let's... So if you... So let's diversify the discussion a little bit. If you scroll to the end of this 244-page document, you get to a route that's called TTIP1. I'll read this. TTIP1 is an ATV trail system off of 10 Mile Point Road. So ATV trail system means it's size restricted to less than 60 inches. So this is specifically for quads and uh, folks with the smaller side-by-sides. So this system is redundant, causing unnecessary damage to the vegetation and soils. The route system is in desert bighorn crucial habitat and contributes to an excessive density of ORV routes in this area. BLM should close this route system to motorized vehicles. Okay, so it's not redundant if it's providing a whole wholly different type of user experience. And in this case, a size-restricted route to just ATVs is a very different user experience than what is experienced on the full-size routes throughout the rest of the area. There aren't a whole lot of these routes in the area to begin with. So to close one of the few that do exist is... It's yeah, a very unique user experience that yeah. should be protected. And so to say it's redundant is unnecessary. It's wrong. To say it's causing unnecessary damage to vegetation soils, again, that's our same argument about biocrust and the vegetation. Um, I just don't believe it. And uh, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about the desert bighorn. Okay. Sheep. I mean, most the of these routes bighorn. are in desert bighorn sheep, and they and say the owl that they they create they subdivide the habitat, and so they act as if these routes are like they'll often say that like it's fragmenting habitat. And I just I've talked to guys that are guided they do guided hunts for bighorn sheep. A bighorn sheep's going to cross a two a lightly used two track ATV trail. Sorry, they're not going to come up to this dirt yeah, path and stop. say, "Oh, I can't, I can't cross this." These 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 animals can literally climb up sheer cliff walls. I don't think a little dirt path is going to stop them. Uh, they they're and so to say that the routes are subdividing or causing some fragmentation of the habitat—that's a silly argument. Um, Kaya one of the employees for SUA was on a radio show that I was on and she had acknowledged that the bighorn sheep population in this area is one of the healthiest in the state uh, to the point where if they need to supplement herd numbers in other areas, they'll come pull it from this herd. And so even though we have this abundant recreation use in the Labyrinth Room Gemini Bridges area, it doesn't seem to be impacting the bighorn sheep too significantly. This herd's doing okay. And I think most recreation users would be happy to consider some reasonable management options for making sure that our use isn't interfering with the bighorn sheep. And in some cases, giving us the option to observe and um, have encounters with the wildlife. 
Um, but I don't think we need to close the routes because of the bighorn sheep. As as is said in every single one of these route reports, the routes are lightly used. I, I think most of the time the bighorn sheep are out there just completely unbothered and doing their thing and have on rare instances. Well, clearly they... they're unbothered if it's if it's such a healthy herd. <laughs> yeah, and so that's something they'll use a lot because the wildlife protection laws give them a lot of legal ground to stand on but the reality on the ground is i just don't think that the recreation uses are hurting the bighorn sheep and that it should justify any form of closure on these routes and all these routes have already been analyzed for bighorn sheep and the 2008 rmp and so i think we're good uh, let's go ahead to dc3 your family is a family of dirt bikers simone why don't you talk to folks about it's not just DC3. This is the dead cow single track trail system. Yeah, uh, there's not very many single track routes in this area. And so having those designated single track routes are important. And um, the claims that SUA makes, um, it's just absurd. And those should be protected. There's very few of them. They provide a unique experience. There is a purpose and need and they're, they're traveled. Um, they're used, they're well used. And, um, not so. just well used They're This dead cow one is almost a world-class destination route for, I bet people come oh, from yeah. all over this, to ride yeah, this, this trail is a system. Famous area to ride single track. Um, people travel from all over. We, my family, travels to um to ride that and so um the claims that sua makes are just absurd yeah so if you're a dirt biker and and, it, and we say single track labyrinth rim gemini bridges has a lot of mountain bike trails as well and a lot of the routes that are being closed are routes that take you to access mountain bikes mountain bike trail systems this is one of those that's uniquely a dirt bike single track trail system and that's what I really like about this area is it really is if we would just let it be what it is. It's one of the great multiple use recreation destinations anywhere. And, it, and the BLM has done a good job of actually managing it to that end. This whole plan is really just an effort to disrupt what is already a really, I think, pretty effectively managed area from what I've seen. And so this one is one we have big concerns about. This is one where, this, let me just read this. This route forms part of the dead cow motorcycle route. These routes create significant user conflict issues with river users seeking a flat water wilderness experience. Dirt bike users using this route create both visual and noise impacts to non-motorized users. Okay, wow. we've heard this before. I just want you to hear it in their own words. Sometimes people don't believe me when I tell them they want to close this area to everybody else, just so that a few folks can go float down the river occasionally. Um, there you have it. They, that is actually what they're claiming. And it's wrong. This isn't a wilderness area for them to say, this is for people seeking a wilderness experience. If they want a wilderness experience, they can go into a wilderness and get that. This area is not a wilderness. This is a multiple use area. This route exists in a multiple use area. There is a wilderness area right across the river. When Congress designated that area as wilderness through the Dingle Act, they put into the statute, into the law, saying you cannot create buffer zones around this wilderness. Well, that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to say, because this wilderness exists nearby, we need to close all these other routes that provide all these other user experiences. 
and said that's wrong. It's actually illegal. It's contrary to the law. And it's a false claim to say that there's somebody entitled to a wilderness experience here in this area, which is not a wilderness. So Route 7070, Simone, there's something going say, on. There's also in, in the single track routes, we could also talk, there's that that's also in 770 because 770, I, I'm assuming you're yeah we, yeah we looked at the se route 7070 <laughs> Sua has people they pay to go out and do their route inventory work and in one of these pictures you see the person who's doing it his dog is out there off of a leash and which i'm actually okay with i think if you're out there by yourself i, I i'll bet money that the the in, the Sua staff member that was doing this didn't encounter anybody out there it was probably a great experience for him and his dog yeah, and more power to him. Too. I hope they had a great experience. However, I have we have commented on other plants that are likely being pushed by Sua and their friends in the BLM and Grant County government to try and shut down and restrict dispersed camping in this area and the surrounding areas. And one of the regulations they are seeking to impose is that everybody in these areas has to have their dog on a leash. And the reason for that is so that the dogs don't go chase endangered kit foxes and harassing the wildlife. Um, I have seen signs in Mineral Canyon at the bottom where they say this is desert bighorn sheep, so you must have your area, and so you must have your dog on a leash. This Route 7070, uh, the SUA route report, recognizes this is desert bighorn crucial habitat. Their employees are out there with the dog off of a leash. And I just want to point that out. I, I don't care. I, I mean, I... I'm think sure the dog, dog owners need any... to be responsible. Animal control issues are usually handled by a local sheriff's department, and people need to be responsible with their pets. Um, it's really disingenuous for SUA and their groups to be fighting for these kinds of restrictions and then having their staff out there not following the same rules. Uh, and so just wanted to point that out. Uh, if you're somebody who is a inclined to sympathize with Sua and support what they're doing. Um, just know that even their own staff, they're imposing regulations that are going to hurt them and their staff members' experiences that they clearly, this guy that's doing that inventory work clearly wants to be out there with his dog having a wild experience. That's great. They should do it. That's what the, the that's one of the reasons you can go use this land. Um, it's unfortunate he show... works for an organization that wants to limit his valuable recreation experiences on this land and it just goes to show that they will stop at nothing they want to restrict all users people will say that it's just a certain user group but they're they're trying to restrict all recreation um whether you're a dirt bike rider or an ohv -er or a jeeper or somebody who just wants to disperse camp i mean eventually these restrictions are going to come after what you love to do on public lands i mean they're it's trying to restrict everything. Yep. And we've put out some content around that as well. I mean, we're paying close attention to the fact that they'll use the side-by-sides or ORVs as a scapegoat. But when you really look at the plan and not just the propaganda, you find they really are hurting everybody. They're hurting all kinds of recreation users, including staff, <laughs> including themselves. And so I want to go to route uh, 28 67 and 
This one I'm interested in because we know that 10 mile wash is one of these routes. It's a high value route that they've been wanting to close for years. And there are certainly multiple alternatives in this plan where they close 10 mile wash. It's one that a lot of folks are including in their comment that they want it left open. This is a route that goes to an overlook over 10 mile wash, 2867. It's a, it goes to an overlook. It kind of takes you to some really cool red rock features. Um, and they're trying to create a buffer zone around 10 mile wash. So this is an area that already isn't closed. It's still open currently. We're fighting to keep it open, but they're still doing the thing that they always do, which is once they get, if they're succeeding getting 10 mile wash closed, then they're going to say, well, all these routes that overlook it need to also be closed to create a buffer zone. And they're saying, and so this is one that we'll be fighting to keep open. It just shows it's, part of what I call the buffer zone wilderness project. It says it's lightly used as well. <laughs> it is lightly used like every other route in this area. It's not crawling with ORVs. It's just crawling with a handful of people that want to come explore this area. And it's so big. The fact that they can go dispersed throughout the area is why it's lightly used, even though there's a lot of people here. And that's why you can still have a quiet experience out in this area. It's not that noisy as even though they claim that um, because we have all these different routes where people can go explore and if you have a huge abundance of routes and people spread out throughout them, then it leads to this situation where they're lightly used, which is great. It's kind of what we want. Uh, it's less environmental impact and it's more a broader range of user experiences. If well, they close all they these routes. When they talk about excessive route density, I think people hear that and they think that there's just routes everywhere. But when you're on one of these routes and you can even see it from their own pictures. So if we're looking at 2867, I mean, you see the route, and if you look around, you there's not a route right next to it like they make it seem. Um, this is a huge area, and so, I mean, you are still spread out. Yeah, and that is a good point, because the other thing you might encounter is you look at this on a map, or, or even the BLM map. And, you and it start, looks like there's routes everywhere. And it looks like there's routes everywhere, but what these routes really are are like, 10 inch wide two tracks with a with plants growing in the middle and so the disturbance corridor of the route is just minimal compared to the size of the landscape and so if you were to actually look at this as a bird flying over it or something it, it would almost be like a piece of hair dropped on a on a tile floor like that's the impact of the route yeah, it, when you're on like the it's ground. this hair width thing and most of the area is completely untouched and unimpacted by a route. That's what it's like when you're actually on the ground. It's not this, you're there and it's like everywhere you look, there's just routes everywhere. You have to, you, you almost can't even see another route. And these are in the areas where you have real route density there. It just is a misguided argument that they're making there. All right. So 2678 is our last route. Uh, I'm going to read this one and we'll talk about it. So it says route 2678 extends from the spring Canyon point road toward the rims above Hajo Canyon before heading South and West. Uh, so again, this is one of those overlooks the South and West portion should be closed to motorized vehicles. Most motorized use ends above Hajo to the extent that motorized users are traveling to the end of the route. They are legally continuing the route beyond its designated end point to the small arch. BLM should establish a hiking trailhead where Route 2687 turns toward the south and prohibits motorized use beyond that. 
This portion of the route cuts through BLM-identified land with wilderness characteristics, mule deer habitat, bighorn sheep. Closing the route to motorized vehicles would minimize damage to soils, vegetation, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this is one where there's an arch. That's the other nice thing about Sua's route reports is it gets you a lot of cool ideas of things to go explore. Uh, and they want to close an existing route. They're claiming the route goes beyond its legal endpoint, so they say it's a legally created route. Uh, this is one of those where I'm open to discuss this with the BLM. I'm not. I'd need to go see it on the ground. Um, but the BLM either needs to extend the route to the endpoint where users are actually using it, because that's the easy. That's like going with the flow of what the public wants. And if the route's already there, it's already disturbed. Calling it an illegal route. Let's go through the process and get it included into the inventory at that point. Or if they want to do a trailhead and have there be a hiking path to the arch. I'd consider that. I'd have to see what it looks like on the ground, but having areas like this where the routes lead to trailheads, I'm okay with that. Um, you should know that three of the routes that are going to be closed by the wilderness plan for Labyrinth Rim and Gemini Bridges actually are routes that lead to trailheads, so they're actually hurting hikers along with everybody else. Uh, so I'm not opposed to having a, a multiple use where a motorized form of access leads to a a non-motorized form of access. That's okay. I think we need all the recreation users to be out here. Um, but this one I, is one where we need to comment. And it kind of shows you when you look at these route by route, um, each route has its own little story. Uh, you can decide what your preference is for the route and give route specific comments to the BLM. So this podcast, we've given you uh, uh, several, maybe 10. I We didn't fully count them, but We've at least covered several that you can go amend your comments. If you've already submitted them, go to the BLM and say, hey, I just listened to a podcast and I learned about routes 2678 and 2867 and 7070 and DC3 and, t and tell them we want these open. We, we agree with the, the reasons that these routes exist. And, um, and if you want to look at the full report and look at all of these routes, uh, reach out to us and we can send you that file. It is a large file, but it's... It's interesting to go through and see Sue's exact reasoning of why they want to close these. Yeah, it'd be if you want to take your public commenting to the next level, um, we'd be happy to advise you on what's going on with these route reports. Uh, so reach out to us. And that's most of what we want to cover with today's episode of Def the Defend Your Ground podcast. Remember, you have till Friday, the October 21st, to get your comments in. And... Just in a quick plug, Simone, we have two other action alerts open right now. Why don't you just end with those and then let's wrap up the show. Yeah, so we've got the Bears Ears National Monument Resource Management Plan. Um, that's going to be a big plan because it will then set the stage for travel management planning. And I mean, this is a huge national monument in southern Utah that was recently re-expanded by President Biden. So... Um, go comment on that too. There's a lot of potential to close some very famous, famous trails and routes that it's just south of um, Labyrinth Rims and Gemini Bridges. So um, comment on that one as well. And then we also have comments open for Logandale Trails. So that's in Southern Nevada, a very popular off-roading area. Um, people it's... go here just for these routes. Um, they and do it's events. by Valley of Fire State Park. Is that right? Yeah. 
Okay. And so they do, they do big events there, um, lots of off-roading and jeeping that you'll experience there. So we need comments for those plans as well. They're both, um, Bears Ears is until the end of October and Logandale is the beginning of November. So you've got a couple weeks to get those comments in. All right. Well, then that you guys can go to sharetrails.org and go to updates. You'll see those action alerts. And we'll probably do at least a podcast episode about Logandale because we'll have some time for it. So we'll dive into that one a little more in the future. Uh, but hopefully this helps you with your Labyrinth Room Gemini Bridges comment. We know that this has been a big effort and it's been in your Facebook feeds a lot. It's because it's really important. This is a high value area. We want to keep it open. So we appreciate everybody who's been helping with that. And so with that said, we'll wrap up and catch you next time. Bye.